A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden podcast. It is our third anniversary. This is, we've been doing this for three years, and I'm so happy to be here with you, Sadie Carpenter. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Three whole years. That is amazing. Well, happy anniversary to you and also to all of our listeners, especially those who have been around since that first year, but to our newer listeners as well. I think this is something for all of us to celebrate. Absolutely. Um, my name is Gabrielle Hakoen, and as always, I've I am here, and I have spent the last three years making this podcast with my BFF and co-host, cult expert, cult survivor, Sadie Carpenter, excellent human being, and a wonderful person. And we've seen a lot of amazing things happen over these past three years. And today we're going to do a little bit of a retrospective over the past year. We're going to give some like updates and stuff. And we're just going to talk about some fun stuff that we have coming forward. Yeah, we like to do we like to do updates. We like to do behind the scenes. Um, that's what we like to do for our anniversary episodes. Yeah, and that should just be fun for you guys to listen to. And we're going to have like a, a little like favorite things countdown. We're going to talk about some of our favorite moments that have happened over the past year. I love doing these. Before we uh, get into that, uh, the Leaving Eden podcast is the podcast about my BFF and co-host. Sadie Carpenter's life in and escape from the independent fundamental Baptist cult, the cult in which she was raised. We talk about this cult. We talk about other cults. We talk about um, religion. We talk about fundamentalism. We talk about the real and present threat that cults and cult ideologies pose to society as a whole. And it is our goal to promote freedom of mind, freedom of thought, and freedom of religion. So if you like our show, if you're a fan of our show, then you can uh, support us by joining our Patreon. Um, Last week, on our Patreon, there was an extended version of our episode where we talked about just some like interesting behind the scenes stuff to do with fundy beliefs about death. 
Um, and so if you want to hear that, I remember recording that. Yeah, that was uh, that was very interesting. It wasn't really the most relevant to the episode itself. So we talked about that on the Patreon. And if you want to hear that on the Patreon, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. And the week before that, I was extremely tired from moving. And I went on an extended rant about who actually did the Kennedy assassination. That was popular. <laughs> that was really cool. I was excited to because I'm not a huge uh, conspiracy nut. but. This is like a conspiracy that you've actually done the research into. And there's actually like, of course, it was a conspiracy. Like everyone knows it was a conspiracy. That's like the whole thing is that yeah. it just hasn't been released to the public. That's you can also join our Facebook group and our subreddit. Uh, those are both called Eden Exodus. So you can go to reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. Or you can go to facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus. Both of those are awesome. And we do have a coming up a Q&A episode. So get your questions into leavingedenpod at gmail.com. That's the best way to send us questions because if they come from a place that's to our Instagram or to our Facebook or, or to in the, in the Facebook group or something, then we don't have them all in one place. And it's harder for us to like get them compiled into a place where it's easy for us to, to answer them. Um, so send them to our email just so it's easier for us to find them. We have three I Gave It All tier patrons. They are Kathleen Moncrief, Melissa Mosley, and Todd Dale on behalf of Madeline Antrim. Wanted to thank all three of our I Gave It All tier patrons for truly giving it all and being uh, being there for us in an incredible way. Absolutely. Truly fantastic. And I'm blown away by the level of support that we get. We also have quite a few Faith Promise Missions tier patrons. Our Faith Promise Missions patrons are Alex P., Allie Allen, Anisha Patel, Brooke Tully, Krissa, Crystal Patterson, Dora J., Enchanted Fairy, Esther M., Hannah Ross, Hope Norum, Horton Hears a Shane, Janine Callen, Jen Kaharski, Jessica Tambo, Jonna, Kate Wee, Kitty Kate, Kristen Marie, Learned Vixen, Lita, Linda Morgan, Lindsay Goss, Lorena Watson, Madeline Antrim, Madeline Cusick, Marlena Stuve, Marcia Millard, Mary Williams, Mary Martin, Megan Arndt, Rob the Methodist, Sarah Reese, Stephanie Johnson, Steve and Amy, Susie, Tara McNamara, The Loch Ness, Tiffany Enderby, and as always, Wes the Cowboy. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, big thank you to all of our I Gave It All tier and Faith Promise Mission tier patrons over on Patreon, but also to everybody who supports us on Patreon and to all of our listeners who support us in different ways, like letting people know about our podcast, posting about us on social media, inviting friends to take a listen. All of you have made the last three years possible. I especially want to thank all of you uh, for the help that you've given me in being able to get into a house. I know people probably know that the market's kind of crazy right now, and it is a really, really big privilege like incredibly big privilege to be able to get into a house. The people who support us on Patreon, the people who listen to episodes every week and recommend us to others are the reason that I have a job that I can do as a full-time mom because of the educational abuse and educational neglect that I suffered in the IFB. I can't afford to work a full-time job. Because the 
amount of money to put my child in daycare would be the same as or even more than the amount of money that I would earn if I worked full time because I don't have degrees and qualifications and job history because of abuse and neglect in the IFB. So this podcast has actually changed my life and allowed me to have something to do and a source of income and a passion project that I can do while being a full-time parent. And I cannot overstate how much I appreciate that and thank all of our listeners and especially our patrons for that. I would I would like to tell my wild moving story if you'd like to hear that, Gavi. Tell it. <laughs> I know. So so you've heard little bits and pieces of this as it was happening, and I don't think you've heard the whole story. No, Sadie was just like sending me messages and I'm like, oh Jesus Christ, another thing. <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that this will make people laugh and then that will be my way of giving back to you know the people who made this whole house possible to begin with. So we had scheduled movers for almost two weeks after we were supposed to close on the house because we were thinking that that would give us some time because we just moved to the suburbs of Portland. It's, It's just across town. We were thinking that like week and a half, two weeks would give us time to come to the new house. We would paint and make necessary repairs and get things done before the actual day that the movers showed up right? Stands to reason. Our closing ended up getting pushed three times. So by the time we actually closed, it was less than 24 hours before the movers were supposed to show up at our old apartment to help us to move into the new house. And then the morning that we were supposed to move, I pulled the entire thing, like all of my responsibilities, I pulled it off with military precision. You would not believe I had the essential stuff that had to be in the car with me. I had the baby, I had the cat, I had the snacks for the baby, I had the food for the cat. I had everything in the car, got the baby up, hustled her into a car seat, got the cat in the car. Everything was going perfectly. I drove over to the new house. I got the baby out of the car. I got the cat out of the car. I got him set up in a bathroom so that he would have someplace to chill while the movers were going to be in and out with all of our furniture and possessions. And just as I got everything set up, my husband calls me and he said, the movers canceled. No. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So the movers couldn't get their truck up the driveway at our old apartment. And they wanted to charge us $4,000 to move everything out the front door of that building by hand. Absolutely not. No, (laughs) no. I mean, that's basically price gouging. Yeah. And like this, I don't know what's up with this because this moving company has moved. I have seen them moving people in and out of our old building multiple times. So you would think that they would know. So anyway, we, I packed the cat back up. I packed the baby back up and drove back to the apartment. And then we were stuck in an apartment full of boxes with a toddler for five days until we could get like the people together with the U-Haul to come like friends and my brother-in-law to come help us move. And that that was fun because yeah, all her toys are packed. All her favorite foods are packed. All her clothes are packed. All of everybody's clothes are packed. Nobody has clean socks. Nobody has like their comfort items or comfort foods. We don't have a TV because the TV is packed. So that was a... Uh, you still have internet? We did have internet. If we hadn't had internet, I don't know what I would have done. That's atrocious. 
This is, I mean, the- yeah. So we were stuck. <laughs> And, like, now it's funny, like, a couple weeks down the line, Nick, now it's funny. At the time, it was very not funny because, like, I need to work. I need to record. Jonathan has to work. Like, he only took three days off of work for the move. And he moved all of his meetings for an entire month around the move. So those three days went by and we're still not moved. And he's got to (laughs) work. So then for a couple days, like, we would come to we had thankfully we had internet at both places which is what saved us so we would drive over to the new house in the morning and he would work at the new house and all day chuck and i would drive back and forth between the new house and the old apartment and just fill up the car with like survival stuff like bait the you know our food we moved our whole pantry that way we we moved the fridge and freezer that way we moved um just i'm trying to think what all did we what all did we bring a lot of the clothes she and i did like that and a lot of her toys so that she would have toys at both places and i wouldn't go insane so chuck and i just went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth all day long because her bed was still at the old house. everybody was still sleeping at the old house jonathan and i were sleeping on the floor at the old house because the bed was packed so we did that for oh gosh five whole days and then thankfully my brother-in-law and a friend of ours bailed us out and got us moved into the new house so we got moved into the new house and um our hot water heater wasn't working immediately so you know you move stuff and you don't you feel you're like gross and you're sore and you just want a hot shower and then you can have an icy shower that's all that's all we have i mean i like an icy shower man don't i only do that when i just got my hair dyed so it was it was just kind of one thing after another and it's still kind of playing out because all of the you know painting and repairs and like jonathan and i ran our tv wires behind a wall so that you don't see any wires coming down from our tv we drilled holes in the wall and ran wires through to the other side but all of that had to be done on the fly because we were going to do all of that before we moved in, but we couldn't because closing got pushed. So it, it has been a long wh- a couple, you know, a few days here of we put the baby to bed and then we work until like 2, 3 a.m. on these projects <laughs> and crash out and do it all g- again the next day. But we are really getting somewhere. And I, you know, I don't want to ever lose sight of how lucky I am to be able to get into a house right now at all because I know that's not possible for a lot of people. And I want to thank again our listeners and our patrons especially because that support makes this a lot more possible. And I'm I'm really thankful. I'm really excited to make this place home. It has been um a wild time moving, but Chuck and Harry are doing really well. Place is starting to look like something good and and thank you so much for your support over the last three years. Sadie, did you pray for resiliency or patience? Or- <laughs> did I pray for patience? <laughs> did you? Did you- <laughs> Not that I remember, but maybe I did. Maybe, maybe I did. <laughs> the Lord is is fulfilling your request in the. Um, <laughs> and it's just he's just kind of like giving you a shakedown run. Yeah, Make that or maybe maybe my dad's playing a prank on me. I don't know. I mean, I I think that if it was your dad playing a prank on you, he might go a little easier on you than this. He he wouldn't have done all that stuff. But um, mm. he would have done one of those things though. Yeah, like one of them would be fine, but all of them, like one of the like 
14 things that have gone wrong and like how but how but how lucky am i that that everything went wrong that it could have that could have gone wrong and i'm still sitting here in the house with wi-fi recording an episode doing my job that i love baby sleeping in the other room like that's that is uh incredible good fortune in life that that many things could go wrong for me and i could still bounce and land <laughs> doing what i need to be doing today that's um that's not something i take lightly we both moved this year um yeah you got to move to a brand new city i moved to the whole opposite side of the country um i moved three thousand miles using a minivan and then had to unload that minivan into a third story walk up by myself. But I still think that your move was probably more stressful than mine. <laughs> uh, I unloaded a moving van with a baby in the backpack carrier on my back. Oh, your calves must be like. My calves were broke. already ripped, but they're going to be even more now. <laughs> yeah. So there have been a lot of changes during this year for us and for our show during this year we also uh some behind the scenes stuff we also switched podcast distributors and as part of the switch we lost access to a lot of our listener data from previous years so sadly i'm no longer able to give you things like our total download numbers or our download numbers for the past year or anything like that um i can give you guys like a rough estimate of those numbers and, and where they are because i like to to maybe give you guys an update and i'm happy to say that in the past year uh the past three years of doing our show when's this episode going out because i think our first episode was august 11th 2020 and i think this episode's going out on august like 14th 15th or something like that yeah. in uh, the three years later so in the past three years our show has amassed a total of somewhere around 2.3 million episode downloads you know what i would really i would really love to get to a million in one year yeah that's kind of that's my that's my uh stretch goal for this year that would be really cool that would be fantastic and i don't see any reason why we can't do that because you know we keep we keep improving every every like our show gets more and more popular every year we do it that's that's good if it was the opposite that would not be so good yeah some more uh fun information about our listeners it's it's nice to sort of be able to share who our listeners are um oh yeah i love listeners. that yeah so uh our top countries for listeners are in order uh number one united states of course number two canada number three is the united kingdom number four is australia and number five is germany so those are our top five countries I always get a kick out of saying Australia up there. I think just because it's that's so far away. We know y'all have fundies over there, although they're generally a little bit of a different kind of funny fundies. But I I always get a kick out of the Aussie listeners. Yeah, um, it is kind of cool for me to see, you know, just to to see how worldwide our reach is. And when I say worldwide, I do mean worldwide because we, according to our analytics, we have listeners on every single continent on the globe including one listener in antarctica what <laughs> yeah which is wild so if you're down in antarctica doing research or whatever if if, if it is uh, uh i mean say hi to the penguins for me is all i if you are our one listener from antarctica would you please send us an email yes and tell us like who you are i need to know i mean there um i know somebody who went to antarctica he was like a plumber though and he just like went down to do i know people who have gone there like for a trip but i don't know people who have lived there 
Yeah, I know a guy who lived there for like six or eight months. He just like moved. Huh. Yeah, because he's a plumber, and there, and he just went down there to be a plumber for like six or eight months. Is apparently just like a because they need people to just like do regular jobs because all the researchers come yeah. in and they do stuff down there. Um, it's apparently very interesting because they don't have very good internet down there. And it's all just like having all the seasons of Game of Thrones on DVD or you can't play video games online very well. So what you do is you play like GameCube and like Xbox 360 and stuff, but you're like on the couch with people. It's very much like that sounds that sounds nice. Like I I love the Internet because the Internet has given me so much like it gave me a path to deconstruction. It gave me the job that I have now with the podcast. It's given me community and real friends. But also sometimes I wish I had a like a, a good reason to take a break from the internet for a while. So maybe we can go on a, a podcast tour and we'll tour down to Antarctica and see our one listener down there. That would be that would be amazing. Yeah. Would you like to do some fundy updates? Absolutely. Who are we talking about? I just want to like touch base on some of the people that we have talked about on the show this year and in previous years. So let's start with Jack Scop. Boo. I know. He has been out of jail for over a year, but he has been staying off the grid. And I'm a little surprised by this. I I keep hearing whispers that he's planning something and he's working with this guy or working with that guy. And my sources are really well informed. So I don't doubt them, but I keep expecting him to do something more quickly. And I'm really thankful that he's just not right now. Uh, I was really, I, I really freaked out when he got out of prison, honestly, because I thought I was going to have to see his face and hear his voice everywhere. And not only would that really suck for me and for other people that he hurt, but it would really, really be re-traumatizing for his victim, um, the one that he went to jail for and any others that may exist. I'm really happy that I am not having to see as much of him as I thought I would be. And by off the grid, we mean like, uh, like he lives in a trailer park that is owned by his parents in Michigan. And while this is a step up from sleeping in cell block J and living off of like Nissan cup of noodles and canned tuna, uh, this is also a significant downgrade from how he used to live 11 years ago when he had a big house, a uh, cherry red Dodge charger, a motorcycle. Well, he still has a motorcycle. And yeah. like tens of thousands of adoring followers. It, did you say 11 years ago? 11 years ago. Is it ago. 2020? It's 2023 now? 2023. I barely know what day and month it is. This move has got me completely upside down on like time is not is no longer real to me right now. It's 2023. Then it was actually 11 years ago last week that his crime became public. Wow. At least within the IFB, because it was it was the night of July 31st that the Deacon Board sent the email letting people know that he had been discharged from being the pastor for moral failure. And then it was like literally this week, 11 years ago, or the week that we're recording 11 years ago, that details were coming out and, and everything was my life was falling apart. Wow. That is that is really interesting. I didn't put that together until right now on air. Look how far you've come though. It's been Yeah. I mean, your life is totally different and Yeah, my life is really really different. 11 years ago this week I had experienced my first big fundy scandal that I was an adult and and kind of part of. I was 
19 and I was on the phone with my Hiles Anderson boyfriend, Noah, trying to figure out, am I going back for this next year? Are you going back for this next year? What are we going to do? And calling all of my friends, are you going back? Are we still doing this? Do you have any information? Do you know what the heck happened? That's really interesting to like re-experience that through 30-year-old eyes. And you were a, a young unmarried woman, so you would have been bottom of the food chain for information. Yeah, but my dad would tell me anything. Like my dad would tell me anything that he knew because thank goodness I had him. Whatever Jack Scott decides to do, um, whether it be East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, we have all the coast covered. There is nowhere that he can hide from us. If he starts pastoring somewhere, we'll show up with signs. We'll play blasphemous music outside. We'll hand out flyers. We'll let everyone know he's the kind of guy that's in town. We will not advocate any actual violence on anyone ever, but um, I will like silly string his car. Yeah. <laughs> I will absolutely protest, play loud music, post his mugshot everywhere. <laughs> but I think the best, as fun as that is to think about, I think the best possible thing is that he stays put and lives a mundane life and reads books by preferably by people of diverse experiences and backgrounds. Uh, although that may be too much to ask. <clears throat> and most importantly, not molest any more people. I hate that he that he still has the power over me. Like I feel like I need to check. I feel like there's a danger over my shoulder that could pop up at any time. And I hate that he still has that kind of power over like psychological power over me but i would rather live with that feeling of impending doom as long as he stays put and stays silent yeah i mean if he lives out his life in obscurity and never goes near a pulpit again that's not like the full prison sentence that he deserves but it's something it's it is so weird to cope with this from my perspective because I don't know. I know how willing the IFB is to forgive and take people back, especially when they are talented, when they are charismatic, when they have something to offer the IFB as a whole. And I also know what he was like 10 years ago, 11 years ago, even a few years prior to that, you know, 12 and 13 years ago when I knew him even better. It's, it's, it's really an interesting, it's really an interesting feeling. Should we talk about, so speaking of, of other people that I very much dislike, should we talk about Steven Anderson? Yes, let's talk about Steven Anderson. Okay. Get, spill the tea. <clears throat> so, Zuzana took literally all of their children on a month-long trip to Germany to see her family. Germany is, of course, one of the over 30 countries that Steven Anderson is banned from entering, so he had to stay home. If you do an anti-Semitism in uh, Germany, then Arnold shows up in a helicopter and he throws you in the panopticon. I don't think Steven Anderson even got kicked out of Germany. I think he got preemptively banned when he got banned from Britain and South Africa, which I believe are two of the other countries that he's banned from. Interesting. As well as Canada and Mexico, as far as I know. I wish we could ban people. So, <laughs> so Susanna's got this video behind a paywall. It seems like Steve is having some back problems, which I assume come from carrying all the racism and nastiness around all day. That's got to be a heavy burden. So Susanna has also been posting an uncharacteristic number of feet photos lately. Ew. I don't think that I don't think it means anything, but I did notice when I was scrolling her timeline, just trying to figure out what she's been up to. 
Also, a video went viral on TikTok recently of Steven Anderson kicking a guy out of church for asking for a prayer. You not seen this video? Let me see if I can hold on. Let me see how quick I can find it. We got time. Oh, wow. So he literally the dude just literally just walks up to Steven Anderson and says, hey, can I have a prayer? And, and Steven's goons just like grab him and like literally manhandle him and throw him out. Take that baby out. It's very much like the, the Jack Hiles. That, yeah, like it's like adult. a more intense version of that. Is question is somebody just like standing up and walking down and saying, can I have a prayer? Is that a normal thing in? No. Okay. No, that's very, that's, that's very unusual, but I'm trying to think it does happen in IFB churches. Usually it's people who are not IFB who have like recently converted or are in the process of becoming IFB, like not visitors, but people who have only attended a couple times and are not fully integrated in the church yet. That's <clears throat> who would you, who you would expect to see doing something like that. And I know it would have happened in my church growing up at least once, maybe twice, but good pastors have a way to deal with it. Uh, like a good IFB pastor would grab the assistant pastor who's sitting behind him on the platform and say, yeah, absolutely. You know, brother, so-and-so, would you take this man in the back and have a prayer? Or take him off to the side, like behind the piano and have a prayer and then keep preaching his sermon. Is there a denomination of Christianity that's more likely to do that? Oh, yeah, definitely. I I don't know for sure, but I bet the Pentecostals do this. Okay, so if a guy was like coming to Stephen Anderson's church and he's used to being Pentecostal and then he is like, I guess I'm just going to do that thing that we do at my church that I'm used to. And mm -hmm. he just gets thrown out. I'm really, that's completely unconfirmed, but I bet that's like a Pentecostal or charismatic thing. Now that makes more sense. So should we, can we move on to uh, Aunt Lori? Should we talk about, about uh, Lori Alexander? Yeah, uh, about how men prefer debt-free virgins without tattoos. She hasn't done anything really notable lately. She's just hate tweeting all day long. The only real change with her is that she seems to have learned how to jump onto viral posts or Twitter controversies better. Her SEO personal branding on Twitter is getting better, which is scary. The, uh, the only actual thing of note about Lori Alexander is number one, I have not yet been blocked by her. So that's fun. Also, while I was ch checking her Twitter feed to see if she's done anything interesting lately, I got a sponsored post for edibles. So that was kind of funny. I was checking Lori Alexander's post and I got a sponsored post for the NWSL, which is uh, the National Women's Soccer League, uh, which is <laughs> kind of honestly. Like, I wonder if the NWSL knows that they're paying to put ads on tweets by Lori Alexander and putting money in her pocket. But maybe maybe they do, and maybe they're doing it as a flex. And maybe they know that half of the people who read Lori's tweets are not people who agree with her. I don't know. It seems like with the way that Twitter is going and how they're like, yeah, we're actually paying out revenue for popular tweets to popular tweeters, and then their algorithm really favors people who are in like the Chudiverse yeah. and, and who are just like Chudcore tweeters and podcasters and 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 it, it really just seems like i don't know why anybody would want to advertise on twitter because you're basically just automatically guaranteeing that you're going to give a bunch of money to the most psycho lunatics on the planet and if you have any sense of like 
corporate brand responsibility and like trying to take care of your corporate brand and, and make people not hate you, you would have to like pull all of your advertising from Twitter for that reason. I don't know. I mean, I definitely can't imagine that the Women's Soccer League would like to fund Lori Alexander. Oh, the money goes to Lori, not to Twitter. If if you are a um a person tweeting and your tweet goes viral and there's ads like on your page, then you get the money from that. It's like this new program. So like people like Pearl Davis, you know, those types of people, their tweets end up getting promoted because Twitter's algorithm, like Elon's like, I'm going to promote all of the people that I think are smart and that I agree with. And that also just like kind of fillet my and talk about how great of a businessman I am because they want preferential treatment. And then he'll like give them a boost and then they make money, even though he's not actually making any money off of Twitter now. It just seems like it's not a very good business model. Well, I mean, Elon Musk is a certified business genius. So what could possibly go wrong? So here's here's a fun question. What were our favorite non-cult podcasts this year? Ooh, okay, that's fun. That's interesting. Yeah, let's get, let's get out of the fundies. Let's do something actually fun. Right. Because, I mean, I've said this before. I don't listen to true crime podcasts or cult podcasts or deconstruction podcasts for a couple of reasons. One is that because I produce this content, this content is often trauma related or trauma adjacent. And in order to make the episodes, Sadie and I have to actually like consume the content as we're making it. So when we like outline and then we record and then we edit, I end up listening and then I like listen to it after release. I basically have already consumed that content four or five times and that's kind of a lot for me. And 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 so like if it's a, something especially traumatic then I have to go through that a bunch of times. So when I'm listening to other podcasts a lot of times it's just kind of more of like a brain cleanse. I also think that me not listening to that stuff kind of makes it able for me to keep it more fresh and makes makes me to have a better outsider perspective and preserving that outsider perspective and i think that's sort of vital so i only really listen to like other deconstruction podcasts if it's for research or if it's like we have a special guest coming on and i want to listen to their show to make sure that i have something to talk to them about so apart from this podcast in my leisure time i listen i, I looked at my apple podcast data i only listen to like four other podcasts Two of them are basketball podcasts about the Portland Trailblazers, um, specifically the Jacked Ramsey's podcast and uh, Sean Hyken's Rose Garden Report podcast. Um, one of them is a Formula One podcast, which is called the Shift F1 podcast. And the other podcast that I listen to is called Dimension 20, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast that my girlfriend introduced me to. All just stuff that's wildly different from the stuff that we do here. I, th I think that's fair. Because if there's something going on in the deconstruction verse that is big enough that you need to know about it, I tell you about it. I mean, and some a lot of times I'll follow the story too, but I'll like try to only follow it peripherally because if we want to talk about it on the show, I'm like, I'll learn about it when it's time for us to do research about it. And if there's something that's that's so big that you have to know right now, then I'm going to tell you because I have pretty much transitioned all of my social media to like 90% cult content. Um, I have, as I've mentioned, I have a burner TikTok that is just like cleaning and organization videos and feminist comedy and hell yeah. Home, like, um, like home brewing and food videos and extreme deep cleaning videos and like it's only cottage core stuff and that kind of thing <laughs> and musical theater 
So I have like that one account that's for other things, but most of my social media has become business, like work social media for cult stuff. So if something's going on, most of the time I'm going to see it and I can keep you posted. I get where you're coming from with the true crime or deconstruction related podcasts. Because on one hand, I want to keep up with what other deconstruction related shows are doing because I don't want to step on somebody's toes and cover something that's been covered recently. So, for example, I listened to the excommunication station episodes on Billy Sunday. It was super entertaining and funny and they did great coverage. So now I know I don't need to put Billy Sunday on our list for at least a year. And I know what angles they approach that story from and what different angles I might want to do in the future. Excommunication Station is a great show, by the way. So I listen to some deconstruction related stuff, but it's not what I put on in the car when I'm driving someplace unless I'm doing research. Um, Because I listen to a, a whole podcast and I can't remember the name of the podcast, but I listened to a podcast on Jack Chick when we were doing the Jack Chick episodes because I wanted to know if they turned up anything that I missed. I've really cut it down to just one true crime show. It's called True Crime and Cocktails. This show is really special to me for a couple reasons. It's the only celebrity podcast that I listen to. The celebrity component is Lauren Ash, who you might remember from the TV show Superstore. Did you ever see Superstore? No, I never saw. I heard it was funny. People see it, it was it. funny. It was cute. It was set in St. Louis too, which is fun. But she played Dina on the sto- on the show Superstore, and I'm happy to confirm her podcast persona is adorable, really funny, personable. It's her and her cousin Christy who do the show. And the first 30 minutes is just the two of them shooting the And it's the only podcast I've ever listened to just for the banter. Like, that's my favorite part of the episode. (laughs) They are also really sweet and sensitive about all of the difficult stuff that comes up when we talk about true crime. The way that they approach difficult topics is really stellar. So that's that's my only true crime show that I still have around. Every once in a while, I'll turn on an episode of Crime Junkie. They are really they are really fun and they're also really sensitive about stuff. But I love the banter on true crime and cocktails. The, well, the other show I recently listened to, though, and this is maybe going to sound kind of wild. The other show I listened to is called Who Sh- on the Floor at My Wedding. OK, I need to know more about this. Have you seen the show Kunk on Earth on Netflix? Yes. I've seen that's the one where uh, uh, she goes to like archaeologists and asks things like, did the Egyptians build the pyramids because rectangles hadn't been invented yet? <laughs> yes. I, I love it. It's like an almost like an academic Borat. Yes. Okay. Who on the floor at my wedding is kind of similar in tone. And also one of the presenters has a New Zealand accent, which is always fun to listen to. I also love anything that David Ferrier does because he's got such an amazing accent. But it's about this couple, Helen and Karen, who got married on a boat. And there was a mystery poop on the floor in the bathroom on the boat. And none of their guests would own up to it. So it's a real mystery. They claim it's a real thing that happened. But the quote-unquote investigation is done by the bride's friend, Lauren. And she plays 
like really satirical and bumbling and stupid on purpose, like extreme Kunk on Earth vibes. They interview actual experts like forensic detectives and polygraph experts and zoology experts. Like the the leads that they go down are just stupid and ridiculous. That's amazing. <laughs> and she's asking like these actual experts dumb questions exactly like Kunk on Earth. So it's Kunk on Earth plus true crime and it's hilarious. And that's nice because I do feel like a lot of the true crime content lately has gotten people have kind of been like, is this genre exploitative? There, that's kind of been like more and more and more of like a, a a thing that people have been talking about, and I think a lot of people have been sort of souring on true crime in general as a genre. So it's nice to see something that takes that genre and and really goes to the extreme, but also does it in regards to something that's not like oh somebody died here oh somebody was a victim of like a, a brutal crime here it's just like kind of funny no somebody pooped on the floor at my wedding and they won't own up to it <laughs> that's funny i need to look that up yeah i i barely do comedy podcasts a lot of my podcast listening is stuff like behind the bastards so it's very informative and just little jokes here and there but this one it just hit for me it's so good there is a slight doubt in my mind that maybe Helen and Karen and Lauren just made this whole thing up and the whole podcast is fictional with hired voice actors, but I don't even care if that's true. Like, if I found out it was fictional, for sure, I would still be telling people to listen to it because it isn't that good. Well, it's all for entertainment anyway. And I mean, do I really care if somebody actually did it? Probably not. I don't know. Yeah, and it it, it is, you know, I think I would be mad if it wasn't that good of a podcast and then it came out that it was fake and like, oh, you had to make something up that was fake to cover for your podcast not being very good, I think I would be mad. But it is so good. It's such an immersive story and so funny that it earned, I think it earned the right for me, for me to love it, no matter what. Let's go take up the offering, and when we get back, we can do a countdown of the top Fundiverse moments of the year. That sounds great. Let's do that. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online, and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you wanna tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
Hey, it's Sadie here. If this is your first time listening to the Leaving Eden podcast, make sure you go back and check out episode 57. It's a primer episode for new listeners. That episode tells my personal story and gives you all the terms and information that you'll need to know going forward. Also, check out our cult true crime series, The First Family of Fundamentalism, so that you can get the whole cult story. If you like our show, you can support us by joining our Patreon, where we have extended and uncensored episodes, as well as other bonus content available. You can also join in the discussion in our Facebook group, That group is called Eden Exodus. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell your worst enemy. The Leaving Eden podcast is a fully independent podcast, and we really appreciate your support. Now, back to the show. We are back from our break. We are uh, here. We've talked about just some general stuff that's gone on over the past year, and now we will talk about more stuff that's gone on over the past year. In, In doing this, I thought back to over the past year of the top five things that happened in the Fundiverse, decided that I wanted to do like a top five countdown. Uh, There's a couple of honorable mentions here that I think uh, uh, deserve to be talked about. The first one is the Jerry Falwell Jr. Pool Boy Scandal documentary, God Forbid. And I put that on here as an honorable mention because the scandal didn't break this year. The scandal broke a couple years ago, but we got the Hulu doc about it. That was this year? That That was earlier this year. Or that might have been late last year, but it was in the past uh, 12 months from when we made See, I'm, tell- I'm telling you, time is not real to me. I would have thought that came that documentary came out in like 2020 or 2021. Dude, time just like, it's, it's elastic. It's so weird. Yeah, I had no idea that was this year. It was a good documentary, though. It was like two houses ago for me. Because I was, I was living in a different house, and then I moved back into my parents' house for three months, and then I moved from my parents' house to philadelphia so it was like two houses ago for me it just seems like a different universe 12 months ago but yeah that i mean we got to to see like the documentary about the pool boy scandal which was a lot of fun my second honorable mention is when paul oligus freaked out about the interracial couples in rings of power and then deleted his video and then deleted his video when people like when there was all the blowback about it um and i think this is just like peak paul and morgan peak paul oligus because you you watched that video, right? No, I only saw screen grabs because I didn't get to it before they took the video down. Oh, well, you can find it. Somebody like archived it because basically when he's talking about it, you know, if you watch their channel, when Paul goes on a rant, Morgan will just kind of like look over him and be like, he's uh, he's still going. Okay. Like, <laughs> what is he saying? And like, Paul starts like going on this rant about how like rings of power is the woke agenda and how every couple in the tv show was like an interracial couple and he's like okay there's one that's fine and there's two and that's like huh and it's three and they have to be doing it on purpose and then morgan's like you can see on her face that she's like oh my my other honorable mention like paul and morgan moment for this year would be the uh the shiny happy people documentary and like their backlash to it Yes. They got invited to do this interview and they just start talking about like submission and marriage and they walked themselves right into it with basically no producer involvement. And then they got mad at the producers for showing what they themselves said on screen. And then the post shiny happy people debut content that they made was really pretty funny as well when they were just like we don't think we were portrayed very well and we got ambushed and we're like 
Well, they had they had clearly planned all of this content to promote the documentary and promote their appearance in it because they thought they were going to come off well, and they somehow had no clue what this documentary was about. When it came out and they found out what it was actually about, they had to reshoot all of this content. That I thought that was what happened. I thought it was obvious that that was what happened. I think you're probably right about that, but I think that like. They should have known beforehand what it was going to be because when, because we knew, like, we didn't say anything about it, but we knew that Chad and Heather and Jen were involved in something in some right. sort of like, like a lot of times a lot of times when our friends are in things they can't tell us because of NDAs that they signed, but we will get you know oh you know I that there's going to be a new documentary and we we are able to put that together with things that come out on the Amazon website and put two and two together and have a general idea of what's coming out. It was a very open secret. Is Yeah, but nobody broke their NDAs to talk to us. No. No no one broke their NDAs to talk to us, but like it was very much an open secret that there is a doc coming out it's probably going to be an IBLP fundamentalism doc. Like, and, and you could tell from the people who were going to be featured in it, like what the angle was going to be. And Paul and Morgan were just like, yes, let's go full on forward into this. And just like, <laughs> they really just kind of showed their ass and they got mad about that. Um, so those are your honorable mentions. What are your top five fundy moments of the year? So number five top moment of the year in the fundy verse is when Bethany Beale introduced us to the term self-cultivation. Ew. <laughs> I did not need to be reminded. <laughs> I had to listen to the podcast where she talked about. Did you listen to that? I listened. Yes, I listened to both episodes of that podcast. Um, what was <laughs> was personally was that grosser for you than when she sprayed whipped cream in her mouth and had her husband eat it? No, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. If you do the like whipped cream in your mouth and have your husband eat, like that's kind of like okay, like okay, get a room, you two, but. The self-cultivation thing is grosser to me because there's it, it feels like there's just so much more darkness behind it in that yeah. you have to go through like six or seven or eight rounds of rationalization and justification to simply obey the needs of your own body yeah, and obey the desires of your own body. Because what she was doing in that interview was trying to get seven or eight or nine or 10 levels of justification for doing something and trying to tell all of the other people who listen to the podcast, uh, mostly I assume young, unmarried, or soon to be married women, or recently married women on the podcast, it's okay for you to do this thing, but only if you go through eight or nine or 10 rounds of rationalization and justification. And to me, that's really the gross thing because you're not getting rid of this idea that your body is sinful and there's stuff wrong with it. You're just saying your body is sinful, but it's okay for you to self-cultivate if you follow XYZ steps that make it okay somehow suddenly. And that's still kind of gross to me because it's like trying to have your cake and eat it too, but it's like, you can't really. It's trying to have your cake and eat it too while never technically having nor eating the cake. Yes. Yeah. And that's sort of it is that they were just like, well, if you do the self-cultivation, then you can figure out what you actually like 
and then you can show that to your husband. And that's the reason why you're doing this. And that will hopefully help you fulfill God's plan for your life. So that's still the ultimate goal. And it can't just be, I want to do this because it feels good. I want to do this because I need to just like, my mind is like all tied up in knots today and I need to just like blow off some steam. I need to relax chill and out. chill out or like. Yeah. Well, yeah, because feeling good and relaxing are not acceptable goals. That for me, that's why that made the list above. Um, I think the the Jerry Falwell and the the Rings of Power racism. Um, number four on my list. Number four on my list is Brittany Dawn getting sued by the state of Texas and having to pay out almost half a million dollars. Yes, uh, and we are covering Brittany Dawn. It will. Is be, it next week? It depends on if we publish this episode on the 14th or the 21st, but Brittany Dawn's episode will be on August 28th. Yes. And the 27th for patrons. We're really excited for that one. We dug up a lot of information about her. Um, that is going to be a long episode. <laughs> and recently, especially, she's been just like I, I i'm on threads now i was off twitter for a while but then i got back on threads and i saw britney dawn's on threads and her threads posts that she'll post are just the most like sanctimonious stuff like she'll just say never underestimate what the lord can accomplish in your life or something like that or, or and i'm just like yeah never underestimate the four hundred thousand dollars that you owe to the state of texas britney <laughs> I don't know. Never underestimate how much trouble you can get in if you just scam people. She's not a good person. And you will find out about why either next week or the week after if you don't already know. So number three on my list uh, is seeing all of the memes after Pat Robertson died. I don't know how you feel about this one, Sadie. So do you remember how before we did the Jerry Falwell episodes, especially the one about Jerry Falwell Sr., I knew basically nothing about him yes i think there was somebody else that we covered that i just had no clue i didn't didn't know anything about them so that was what it was like like i don't i still don't have any idea what pat robertson did other than he was just another televangelist is he the guy who was like yelling about banishing covid and covid demons i think the thing that i remember about him is that he was the guy who said that 9-11 happened because America is too tolerant of gay people. I thought Jerry Falwell said that. Well, they were together when they said it. Pat Robertson, oh. is, he's also, uh, he also blamed HIV and said that HIV was like, a, a, and the AIDS epidemic was like a divine judgment from God. So mm -hmm. he is a person who is very callous about other people dying. So I personally ha see no issue with making fun of the fact that he died, kind of. I see where you're coming from with I see that. where I'm coming from. Like, if you, if you yeah. can actually say stuff that's as horrible as, you know, gay people deserve to die from AIDS, then go f*** yourself. I'm not going to shed a single tear for you. That makes sense to me. I do know who Pat Robertson is because he has the 700 Club because he is in that song of... Fred Phelps in the Westboro Baptist Church. But that's the only thing I know about him. <laughs> yeah, and his whole thing was that he uh, he was like scamming money from old ladies. That he was basically saying, yeah. if you send me money, then it's like a seed offering, and then it will be returned to you tenfold or whatever. And that was his whole thing, and that he would scam people out of their money. So I am like kind of aware of what kind of person 
he was and what he did. But no, I agree with you. Like Generally, I don't want to make fun of somebody's death, even if they were a bad person, because they have family who loved them or, you know, that it affects other people other than just the person who died, who is dead and cannot hear your insults. I think there are good exceptions. Uh, and this would be one of them. If somebody was so harmful and so callous about other people's deaths and that is not just your opinion it's not oh my opinion was that i didn't like them it's established fact that they were callous and uncaring about other people's deaths and that they were a harmful person yeah i think you get a pass for that that explains why there were so many memes about him i didn't really know at the time yeah i mean he's one of those people you know uh the the killers in the high places who say their prayers out loud not a fan mm-hmm. number two on my list of th- fundiverse things that happened this year was ginger duggar's book becoming free indeed reviewing that book and learning absolutely nothing actually learning everything about ginger duggar but learning absolutely nothing about the duggars themselves i wouldn't say that's true we learned that bill clinton accidentally pulled one of their hair one time yeah that's true that was like the big bombshell from the book that yeah that and the duggar girls trying on blonde wigs and teasing about being one of bill's girls yes those were the two bombshells but that was about it the thing i was thinking about was that like i remember when the book came out all of like the tabloid websites that you see recommended to you, like if you follow the the gossip subreddits or if you follow the um or if you're just on Facebook and you see like promoted posts from like a tabloid, the things that, that like the bombshells in like Harry and Megan's in like Harry uh um from uh, Prince Harry's book were all about like, the frostbite. <laughs> yeah, they're all like he got frostbite on his penis and he lost his virginity to X person and he did this and he did that and they're all like real salacious and you like want to click on them. And the ones from like Ginger's book. And this was kind of like when when the book was being promoted we're like is this going to be a tell all or is this going to be a tell nothing? And Sadie kind of thought that it was going to be a tell nothing and I kind of thought it was going to be a tell all. Sadie was right. But what do you think about Jill's book that's coming out? I am much more optimistic about that one. Oh, no. Jill is going to spill the tea for sure. Absolutely. There is there is no doubt in my mind that that book is going to have some crazy shit in it. Because she was in the dock. She was in Shiny Happy People. And Derek has just like consistently been messy on Twitter. And he has said a bunch of stuff on Twitter. And then taking it down or you know taking it down and reposted it with less detail. Um, and I know that Derek was involved with this book and mm, I think th- I am much more leaning towards tell all on Jill's book. Oh, that's a hundred percent going to be a tell all. Do you know about the conspiracy theory that Derek did the jazz Jennings cyberbullying in order to get the Duggars into hot water in order to get the show canceled so that he could get them out of it? Hmm. Have you heard that conspiracy theory? No, I have not. Because I've seen that one floating around the internet that... um, I still do not approve of cyberbullying a teenager. Yeah, that's wrong. That's still a real bad look for Derek. But also that seems like that seems like where his brain would go. Like that tracks for what we know of him. Right. That seems like a thought process that Derek would have. Like, here, let me do this awful thing that I should not be doing to accomplish the goal that I need to get done. Right, because was the cyberbullying, because the cyberbullying was after the Josh scandal broke. Right, because 
when the Josh scandal broke, that's when 19 Kids and Counting got canceled and the show quickly picked up with Counting On. Yeah, it was Jill and which Jessa. Which was Jill and Jessa and Ginger's show. And Michelle did the um did the robocall to try to get the the anti-trans bill passed right. in their town. And she did a robocall for that, and that wasn't cool either. But the thing that actually got the Duggars off of TLC was when Derek went at a different TLC star. Because Jazz Jennings yeah. was had a TLC show, and it's like, this is my life as a transgender person. Does she still have a show? I don't know. I don't know. I like I have not seen her show. So and, and I don't know if she's still on the air. I know she's in college. That's about all I know. But yeah, um, trans rights people, let's let's not bully people, period. But especially let's not bully trans people and especially teenagers. Gosh, Derek, what is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean, I do think that it's possible that if he's he's like out of all of the sh like my my brother-in-law is a pedophile. My mother-in-law and my father-in-law are like psychopaths. And like my father-in-law is like Joe Jackson. Um, and he's just trying to milk all the money out of this that he possibly can. And we're trying to get out of this and we're just trying to live our lives. I need to burn this shit down like take right like, and his family was in massive debt because they were semi forced to have the birth of their first kid on tv and it didn't go the, the birth didn't go well and the network aired more than they wanted them to air and he and then the network didn't pay for the kids extensive hospital bills yeah so like i get how he was in a tough situation but that does not make what he did okay that's ugh, that's what i would love like i really do feel like jill's book is going to be a tell-all but can we get an introduction from derek where he apologizes for cyberbullying jazz jennings like i feel like a public apology is the least he could do yeah like some people are never going to become fully affirming and that's some, this is something we talked about um when we did our episode with megan crozier from the thereafter podcast we talked about like how do we deal with that as affirm people who are either affirming Christians or LGBTQ affirming non-Christians of whatever kind, how do we deal with the concept that some people are never going to believe what we believe in the most compassionate way that still does not compromise the safety and dignity of our LGBTQ plus brothers and sisters and siblings? Like what do we do? And some people are just never going to become affirming, but I don't think that's an excuse for, for example, Derek not making a public apology to the young woman that he publicly bullied. That's just my two cents. I, I agree with you. And like a book forward, a book forward would be a, a great place to do that or a tweet um, or social media post in the promotion cycle for the book like this is a big public platform and this would be a great time even if derek said he didn't come out and say oh i've become affirming and i now you know believe you when you tell me who you are and even if he didn't go that far even if he just said i'm sorry for bullying that was wrong that would be great it does say that the book is written by Jill Duggar. Derek Dillard is a contributor, and so is uh, Craig Borlas. Um, he's also a contributor. I don't know who he is. I'm just reading the uh, the information from from books publishing website right now. I will tell you guys. Uh, so the book comes out on September 12th this year. I am visiting 
Portland, I'm visiting home, flying back for about three weeks. My flight going back from Portland to Philadelphia is a red eye on the evening of the 11th. So what's going to happen is sometime when I'm either on my flight or just before I get on my flight, that book is going to, the, the audio book is going to, to appear onto my phone because I've pre-ordered it. And then I'm going to listen to it. And then the Monday after it comes out is when we're going to have our review of it. So that's going to be our, our episode that we do that week. So yeah, plan for that. So I looked up, I looked up Craig Borlas and he has written inspirational memoirs, like co-authored inspirational memoirs seems to kind of be his, his main genre. He also wrote a book called The Naked Christian, Taking Off Religion to Find True Relationship, uh, and talks oh. about uh, offering answers for those looking for vulnerable Christianity. If you feel you fit just outside of what the church has to offer, this book offers answers based in scripture and will lead you into a more authentic relationship with Christ and others. You speak fundy. What does that mean? Uh, on a sliding scale from fundamentalism to like fully affirming progressive Christianity. So on a scale from Jack Hiles to Mason Menenga, <laughs> if Jack Hiles is a one and Mason is a 10, this book is for people who are solidly at like an eight and a half, like two liberal and too hippie for normal non-denominational churches but not ready to be like i'm a fully affirming progressive christian where would you put ginger and where would you put john MacArthur on that scale is john MacArthur like a, a three or a four john MacArthur is like a three and ginger's book is maybe a five okay so this is interesting okay so if that's the tack that she's going to take, if it's like an inspirational memoir, then I assume that it's going to be probably a decent amount of the book is going to be about deconstruction, which I would yeah. like to read. I think that would be really interesting because Ginger's book isn't about the Ginger's book, like by her own admission, was about disentanglement and being like, do this instead. We have the, like, we have uh, deconstruction at home. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> right. And, Ginger talks about, you know, kind of her dark nights of the soul, but she talks about them or talks around them. And I think I, I would like Jill's book to dig into that a little bit more. Now we're just making like a, a, a gift list, like a Christmas list for everything we want out of Jill's book. I mean, I'm interested to, to read it because Jill willingly appeared in a documentary that basically made her whole family look like pieces of shit. I mean she she willingly appeared in that documentary and and So speaking of what is your number one fundiverse moment of the year? Yeah, I mean I this is a surprise to no one but the number one fundiverse moment of the year is shiny happy people. It has to be. I think that this is number one, not just because I thought that it was the best content, because I do think it, it was probably the best fundy related content that came out this year. Oh, yeah. Is, I mean, I just thought it was done so well. I thought they did such a good job of, of centering the stories of the survivors. But because this was a piece of fundy content that made it out of the general fundiverse. Like, People who know yeah. about Ginger Duggar, like like the the Celebrity Memoirs Book Club tried to do an episode where they talked about Ginger Duggar's book. Um, and then they're just like, We can't do this because this there's nothing like in this book that's really relevant for us to do. But shiny happy people, I saw people 
talking about this that aren't even like fundy related people. Like I would talk to people who are, you know, friends or family who don't listen to the podcast and they're just like, oh dude, I saw this crazy documentary on Amazon and it was about that family that has all those kids. And I think that if this is the first piece of media and piece of documentary content that you get exposed to that is about fundamentalism, then that good puts you in a very good place to really understanding what this culture is about. Right. And that's why Shiny Happy People was so good, because it it had little moments for people who have been in the Snarkerverse for a long time. Uh, it had little bits of new information for people who have been around the block, but it was such a good primer. Like, if you know nothing about this, this is where you start. And like, I could be able to tell somebody what, when they're like, oh, what do you do? What do you talk about? I'm like, I can say, go watch the documentary on Amazon and then go listen to our episode of the show about it. And then you'll know like what it is. And then that's like a good jumping off point to get somebody into our show. And that's been actually really great for us, mm -hmm. you know, and it was awesome to, to. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you, uh, speaking of which, do you want to talk about our favorite moments of the year from our show? That sounds great. Let's do that. I think for me, number one, the favorite, my favorite moment of the year, one of them has to have been... Uh, uh, that I got to see First Baptist Church of Hammond in person, that's got to be up there. <laughs> Whereas if I had to do that, it would probably be my least favorite moment of the year. <laughs> yeah, man, the PTSD, aka spicy memories. No, I do want to go back. I'm not interested in going back to the church. Um, just because there there's less tra like personal trauma that happened at the church, but so many emotionally charged memories that are not really cult trauma but like i've been through breakups on that property i you know i've had moments of big happiness and big disappointment there just so many emotionally charged memories there that are not really cult trauma related but like young adult 
stuff related i think it would be really weird for me to go back and also there are there is cult trauma there like that's where i saw the polished shaft sermon and i think it would be weird <laughs> to be in that auditorium again i would love to go back to hiles anderson though just to see to make it real in my mind again <laughs> just to see what it looks like do you think it looks the same or is it different i think it would look really different like now i've been on a real college campus i have not been back to hiles anderson since the day i left in spring of 2013 10 years ago over 10 years now and i think it would be really interesting i think it would seem really small but i want to go back and i would go back and walk around the lake again <laughs> My honorable mention for favorite moments, for favorite things that I got to do on the podcast this year was probably watching The Burning Hell. If you want to go back to Halloween, um, that was just a fun, goofy movie. And do you, uh, if you want to do another one this this fall, I have another like Christian B movie that you can watch. I would love to watch another Christian. When are we going to do the uh, like some Kirk Cameron? When are we going to do God? Oh, you want to do that? Some Left Behind. I want to do that. I mean, we could watch God's Not Dead 3, The Chudning. I don't want to watch God's Not Dead. Don't make me do that. I'll rewatch the Left Behind series. I'm not going to go back and watch God's Not Dead. I've never seen it, and I don't need to. Okay. I, I, you can watch, if you want to do a Christian movie, we can watch um, Facing the Giants. Facing the Giants is, um, did you see The Blind Side? Yes, with Sandra Bullock. Facing the Giants is like the Christian version of that. Oh, It's the Christian football movie that's like an answer to that. Just they don't address racism at all. Oh my God. It's more about like, if you pray for God to help you win a football game, he will help you win the football game and also make your wife get pregnant. The blind side was, mm, I mean, like I remember seeing that in theaters and I thought, wow, that was really powerful. And then I watched it again like four or five years ago and I'm like, oh, this is some that's what i've heard i have not the blind side was a movie that i saw i think i saw it not that long when did it come out i don't know it must have been like 10 15 years ago i gotta look it up 2009 that is my experience with it i saw it it's like watching the help yeah i saw i i saw both of those movies in the first few years that they were out and thought they were the first movies that i saw that really addressed racism and i thought oh my goodness this is so powerful and then i have not rewatched them but looking back i feel like if i did i would probably be cringing a good bit but i you know i'm, I'm thankful for a movie that got my foot in the door to <laughs> trying to understand this um cringy as it may be now I'm glad I got my foot in the door one way or another. It's like for me, when I went back a few years ago, like during the pandemic, I'm like, I should try to watch The Office again. I remember liking that show. And I put it, I'm like, no, no, like, oh, like the cringe was so hard. It just made my skin crawl. Oh, I still love The Office. I watched through, I watched the entire, all of The Office all the way through in like my last couple weeks of pregnancy and first couple weeks with a newborn with Chuck. So you remember none of it? <laughs> um, I, then again, I also don't listen to my postpartum streaming recommendations because I watched The Good Place, like all Ooh. of it, immediately when I came home with a newborn. That's a terrible idea. That was such a dumb idea. Just ruin your brain, ruin all that of like the dopamine. Maybe, yeah, one of the 
dumbest things I have ever done in my life. Um, I had no clue. I, I, I mean, I had seen The Good Place before, so I knew what I was getting into. That makes it dumber. But as, as far as my favorite year, moment of the year on our show, I think finally getting to tell our listeners that I had a copy of The Wizard of God was really huge. That was a huge personal get for me. And getting to finally share that with our listeners was that was huge. That was really big for me. I remember like when you were telling me that you're like, I think I've got a copy. You're like, I, yeah, I like I, can. I think I'm going to have a copy in a couple weeks. And it was just like, I mean, you were like buzzing. It was yeah. wild. And a lot of I, I should probably answer like 12 listener questions in our Facebook group. A lot of people have asked if I can be more specific where I got it from. Unfortunately, I can't. What I can tell you is it was dead stock. So it was original print because it has never gone back into print after the original printing. It was dead stock of the original printing that was being kept in storage by somebody really close to the situation, like somebody whose name you might find in the book, like that close to the situation. And that person gave it as a personal gift to another cult researcher, and that researcher passed it on to me. And that's how I got it. And that's all I can say right now. Um, I also, I can't scan the whole thing and put it online. There is a possibility that it could be released as an ebook in the future or as a new printing. I uh, have lost contact with my source on that. Like the person who, might be able to make that happen for us. I don't have contact with them right now, but I'm working on that. And it's it's possible that it could come out as an ebook the way that Fundamental Seduction did. That would be great. Yeah. That would be I would really support that. Because then the fundies can't buy up all the copies and like burn them. Mm -hmm. this is and like I have talked to be clear, I've talked to the person who could make that happen, like the person who so Nistrick is dead, but there's somebody who owns the copyright to this book now that he's gone. And I have talked to that person in the past, but I've lost touch with them. And I am going to try to get back in touch with them at some point to see if we can make a make a new printing or an ebook happen. What was your favorite episode that we did, do you think? Ooh. The yeah, the Scopes Monkey Trial episode. That was great. I re I just I enjoyed that one so much. That was a fun one for me because that was a topic that you knew so much about and you were so widely just like I can't wait to talk about this. And I was like I don't know what this is. And I learned so much from that one. Yeah, and I thought I knew so much about it and then came to realize that I actually didn't. Um because I had been indoctrinated. I also, I forgot to thank Kat Conley in our episode. Uh, they are at Steer Queer Y'all on Instagram. And they sent me a book that was like fictionalized accounts of people who would have been at the trial. And that book was really neat to have when I was prepping for that episode. And I forgot to thank them on the Scopes episode. So thank you, Kat. That's absolutely awesome, though. To Yeah. It's interesting to see when we, when we get to look at something now removed from fundamentalism and then when you get to be like well this is what i was told and that's kind of one of my favorite things that we get to do on the show um yeah and that's that's a fun mental workout for me because i have to hold both of those things like i have to hold what i learned in my mind and also hold the new things i'm learning about the thing in my mind at the same time so that feels like lifting weights for my brain 
Yeah, but that's how you get stronger. For me, uh, I think my f- one of my favorite episodes this year was when we talked about personality cults, and then when we did went after that and talked about Kanye Westing, like the Donda Academy. Oh yeah, that one was really good. I thought that was a really interesting. That was a, a avenue that I really wanted to look at for a while, but I didn't really have the the wherewithal to do that and really put that all together because I'd been th- whenever it comes to an episode that I'm really sort of the one driving behind, it takes me probably several months to really compile everything that I want to compile into like one place. So then I can, when we go to actually outlining the episode, I can actually take that stuff and outline it down. Um, And that was one that I'd worked on for a while. And I just, I didn't want to be yet another person just dogpiling on Kanye because he's clearly a person having a tough time. I wanted to to bring something more to the conversation than like, oh, we don't like him now. And I think we were able to do that. And I was proud of that. Yeah. I also liked uh, honorable mention, I think for me was what did Jesus look like? See, that was a flyover episode for me. I didn't think it was bad. It was fine. It was good. But I'm glad you really enjoyed it. I mean, I do think it's funny that oftentimes the episodes that we get the most out of are different ones and sometimes are the same ones. Yes. Like stuff that'll be massive, big deal, biggest episode ever for me. Like, okay, like uh, this June when we talked to Dinah about Jem Elliott and Elizabeth Elliott. Yes. Perfect example. Like, it's not like you disliked it or weren't proud of it. It just didn't, it wasn't that meaningful to you. And it certainly was to me and Dinah. It's really neat how different things get to different people. And I think that's why it's fun for us to make the show is because we get to, I mean, I do feel like I get to learn about looking at things from different angles. And that's a lot of fun. Speaking yeah. of Dinah, I think that this is a good time for us to thank all of the guests that we had on our show for the past year. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Who do we have on? We had Liat who came on. She came on twice. She talked about uh, mm-hmm. Fundy sex advice. And she was also on a couple weeks ago when we talked about the Jewish matchmaking. That was fun. We had Shoshana on to talk about to train up a child. Oh, that seared into my brain. Um, Megan, that was a good interview. You had your bi pride party. Pastor Noah was a lot of fun. And then we had Dinah, obviously. And we had Lindsay and Chad come on to talk to us about shiny happy people and i think i want to thank everybody um all of those people that came on to our show as guests this year uh because your contributions were really fantastic and we really got a lot out of the conversations that we have with you guys yeah definitely big thank you to all of our guests and i listened to yours and liot's jewish dating matchmaking show episode and i really loved it it was funny it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. And special thanks to Liat for jumping in uh, when, as mentioned, <laughs> my movers got canceled and I was stranded without the ability to record for a far longer time than I thought I would be. It was really like Sadie and I got on to record one day. We got on to record Alberto part two and we're just like, do we want to do this? And Sadie's like, no. And I'm like, no. Also, no. <laughs> she's just like i literally my brain no i can't i'm like cool take it we'll take an extra week off (laughs) i'll find something else to fill the space but um it was that was a lot of fun um did you have you watched jewish matchmaking since uh no because i haven't watched anything since i moved oh right because the whole because the whole thing is we thought we'd get things done before and then because of the closing getting pushed and the move getting messed up, we had no time. So like what I do right now is I take care of Chuck from morning until nap. And then when she naps, I record an episode. And then when she's done napping, I take care of Chuck until bedtime. And then at bedtime, I 
paint a wall or drill holes in things or hang blinds or <laughs> whatever. Unpack boxes. At least you feel accomplished at the end of the day, I guess. Oh, yeah. And I'm sleeping great, which is uh, great news. <laughs> that hasn't happened for years. Yeah. Years. I'm not sleeping enough, but I'm sleeping really well. Hell yeah. So it's it's good stress. It's like good problems to have. But I definitely like I have not had time to watch anything. A couple more questions before we finish this up. A couple more just like retrospectives. I want to know. What is your favorite piece of deep research that you did for the episode for an episode this year in the past 12 months? I really enjoyed trying to make sense of Jack Chick and just his life and trying to put together a reasonable timeline that made sense. I also thought <laughs> digging into the Habsburg family tree to try to find a person who didn't exist was really fun. I'm trying to think if there was one other thing. What about Chinaqui? Yeah, that was that was refreshing to get really caught up in like a source for because I found Chiniqui, which is a source for Alberto's claim that the Catholics did the Lincoln assassination. And then I had to read more about Chiniqui to like back up that source. And then I found Hen Henrietta Caracolio and had to read about her to back up Chiniqui to back up Alberto. And it was just a chain of this thing references that thing, which references this other thing. And I definitely spent more time than I needed to reading that, but it was really fun. I mean, and that's very like academically intriguing. I, that's the kind of thing I really love. Like I've said before, I, if someone would pay me a salary to go to college for the rest of my life and just get degree after degree after degree, I would absolutely do that. And this is kind of similar to that. I would love to do more of these like deep research episodes. The only problem is that they end up being so time consuming that every time we want to do one, it ends up taking two or three times as long as we want it to. Yeah. And so we just literally can't justify doing them as much as we would like to. Because there's so many, like, if you look at our list of topics that we have going forward for the show that we want to talk about, probably about half of them are deep research topics, and the other half are like, just, oh, here's an interesting cultural thing that let's talk about, something like that. Yeah, stuff that's more from my memories, like, uh, we did an episode on pasture school. That is quicker to outline than something surprise surprise than something that has 30 sources like our bob jones episode <laughs> which had 31 or 32 sources just because i you know i don't have to track things down that are already inside my brain <laughs> and i love i love doing both but one is just a lot quicker to put together as an episode well did you tell us your favorite deep research episode so my favorite deep research episode um i have two of them one of them was when I don't know if this qualifies as deep research, but when I read the entirety of To Train Up a Child by Debbie Michael Pearl, I mean, there have been times on this show when I've really had my eyes opened about like, oh, this is what fundamentalism really is. Um, and it happens less now than it did three years ago. I will say that. But this was one of those moments when I read it and I was like, oh, this is like, this is an abomination. The other thing that I, I mean, I would, I, I, I can't talk about deep research that I did without bringing up the manosphere deep dive because of just because of the amount of like manosphere and like Andrew Tate 
content that I forced myself to watch during the research stages of that episode and how many months it took me to make it. But that was probably my other one. And I do think that that, that, that one was one that also kind of changed the way that I have an outlook on... It, it changed my outlook towards things that aren't just podcast related. It, it it changed my outlook my outlook on things that are more related to general life and just generally the way people interact with each other. Um, the other thing about the "To Train Up a Child" episode is that learning about the five stages of moral development from Shoshana was very interesting to me, and I being able to look at that and being able to apply that to other places in my life was also something that I got a lot out of. Oh yeah, that one has stuck with me too because all number one, I'm currently raising a person who is going through moral development. <laughs> But also, my husband had a conflict at work, and I was like, hey, have you heard of the five stages of moral development? Do you think maybe this person's problem, like the reason that they're kind of being a jerk, is because they got stuck in stage two of moral development? <laughs> and so it has really been uh, applicable to life. A couple of quick things before we go. What are our plans for the next few months? What are we talking about? So we have a episode on Brittany Dawn coming out and it is going to be an incredibly long like from the length of the outline it's like 125% of the length of a regular episode so that's going to be a long episode I also I want to talk about J. Frank Norris this fall he is the guy who's the origin of the brain in the jar myth um, but the more I have researched into him his life was incredibly interesting and he might have been a much worse person than we previously thought so i think there's a lot to get into there um uh, we're also going to talk like we talked about we're going to do jill duggar's jill duggar dillard's book when it comes out and i want to get into we'll have our normal like spooky halloween episode in a couple months but i really want to get into some end times fundy stuff and I promise I'll, I want to hear from our listeners. I know there are many people who are just going to be too triggered and not going to be able to listen to anything we put out on End Times, comment, on End Times content. So I want to know how I can take care of people. So if you put a post in the Facebook group, we can discuss that because I want to know how do I take care of our listeners who are just not going to be able to listen to that because of the trigger. But I do really want to get into the end times prophecies and why they're not even biblically correct. <laughs> and so I think part of that is going to involve me reading the book of Revelations, which I have not read. Um, full disclosure, I've read many parts of what I would call the fan fiction, what I would, if I'm being polite, would call the sequels um, and what Christians would call the New Testament. But I've kind of been like saving the book of revelations to be something special so that we can do it for the podcast. Like the first time I really go through it and read it, then we can do it for the podcast. So I'm telling you right now, you're going to have no idea what any of it means. <laughs> that's kind of like what I'm excited for though, because I like learning. It's kind of similar to the first, what are the books called that are that game of Thrones is based off of a song of ice and fire. So I've read the first one and I've not read any of the other ones, but it's kind of similar to the first book in that series, except for there's not a plot. So what? there's just like something will happen and then something else will happen and you have to also get used to the language and you have to also get used to, oh, they spell the word sir differently and they um, yeah. have a word for this and maester means doctor slash like academic or something like yeah it's gonna be similar 
I think, for you. I'm excited for that because I did like that book series. And I would love to kind of immerse myself in that and see what's going on. I don't know if we were going to have to talk about Revelations before or after we talk about QAnon, but I would love to discuss QAnon in the coming year. And I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. And so that's kind of what we're going to be doing this coming year. And I'm really excited to bring you guys all of this content. We're not going anywhere. As long as there are still fundy stuff to discuss, we will and religion stuff and cult stuff to discuss and deconstruction stuff to discuss. We will keep discussing that stuff, and I can't wait. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys for three years. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you so much for continuing to support us and stick with us and engage with us and recommend us to others. We really, truly appreciate our listeners, and we know for sure that you are the reason that we have this platform and that we have this job and we don't we don't ever lose sight of that and we appreciate you every day thank you guys so much if you want to follow the show you can follow the show on facebook and instagram and it's also on threads at leaving eden podcast um you can join our facebook group and you can join our patreon patreon.com slash leaving eden podcast and sadie uh you want to plug your socials yeah you can follow me on instagram at sadie carpenter music on twitter at hell yes sadie and on tiktok at sadie carpenter one and you can follow me on facebook instagram and uh, threads at g-a-v-r-i-e-l-h-a-c-o-h-e-n thank you guys so much for tuning in you guys have a great day thank you guys for three years and here's to more bye-bye Yeah.